0: Edition of Look Closer, the Found Fiction Podcast. If you've never listened before, the show is a creative search for inspiration. In every edition, I'll meet up with a different writer to take a journey around their neighbourhood and explore the places, people and communities around them, the things that inspire them as creative thinkers and makers of great things. This time, I'm with poet Phil Pierce, who's well known and well loved on the Leeds spoken word scene. Hello. Hey Who's this? Hey. You
1: don't need to shout at him, do you? <laughs> Come on then. That's it.
0: <laughs> it's a nice big spot this actually. Nice
1: bit of outdoor space you got here. Yeah. I think it needs turfing and um Benches put there or what have you. Yeah, yeah. But no, I haven't. like that feature thing in the middle. It was a water fountain. No and way. The do so we get really bad wind here because we're at the end of this ginnel. Yeah, yeah. So it was a water feature that was knocked over and this fence huh. has gone over a couple of times. So we've had to. Jeez. So me and my dad have literally built this out of pallets. Do you want to just talk a bit about where we are and where we're going to be going today? Yeah so we are in South Leeds, a lovely little place called Beeston. Um, I've been here 36 years, it's changed a little bit, Um, some good some bad. Um, People have different opinions about it but um, I love it, I love it here.
0: Yeah I've not spent too much time here myself, I've been once or twice I think but uh, looking forward to finding out a bit more about it and being inspired by it. Do you like walk around the area Kind of trying to soak up inspiration, or what? What's your process, is beast, and being an inspiring place for you and your work?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of pieces um, that refer to either growing up here or current situations here. Um, the stuff I write is usually like I can't look at a tree and just think, "Oh, look, there's some yellow leaves and some green leaves," and I'm gonna talk about the age of the tree. It's not my, it's yeah, not my yeah. sort of thing. But I might see. A mum telling off a kid, and that might be, yeah, so stories. Um, I have got, so one of the things I wrote about growing up in Beeston, we're just going to come out onto Beeston Hill here, Um, and there used to be a row of shops, and one of them was called Cowan's, and if you were a lower-income family, you'd go to Cowan's for your school uniform rather than Rawcliffe's. Right. Uh, It was just a bit bit cheaper, Um, and that, that features in one of the spoken word pieces I did about sort of growing up here, things that aren't here anymore, things that you miss about being young. Uh
0: I spent my first few years in Moss Side, Manchester a what some might call economically deprived area of the city that's kind of been left behind by the financial growth of Manchester but will always have some of the city's cultural heart. I remember nothing of Moss Side because I moved to leafy Yorkshire when I was about two years old but I often wonder what my life might have been like if I'd grown up there. And one day, about 20 years later, I went back to Moss Side. It didn't feel like home, but why would it? The best part of three decades had passed since I last set foot there. But like anywhere you've lived, will always be a home to you as it played a crucial part of how you came to be. It's actually going to be a bit more refreshing this time because the previous two episodes we've kind of been in more rural places I guess. Well right. and or being inspired by nature more. Whereas here like it's Dodging you know, cars and it'd be like <laughs> yeah, like urban environment, like people, stories, and, and I think yeah, there's something in that, you know.
1: Yeah. Well the plan is we'll go from my house where we've just been up to um the best view in Beeston. Okay. Um I'll show you that and then head back. Sweet. Okay, looking forward to it. So, so yeah, so this is so this is Beeston Hill, this is the hill that runs all the way through um, the bottom end of Beeston. So Beeston split into like a V-shape. Right. V-shape, uh, you've got Dewsbury Road at one side, uh, Beeston Road at the other. Uh, but there's a lot of history here, so this used to be a, a cinema, called the Malvern Cinema, and then that turned into a pub. So depending on what generation you are, you'll remember it either as a yeah. cinema, and then my generation it was a pub, um, and now it's an old people's home and a family shopper, so it was sort of, it used to be in between, did the cinema. Um, and my mum used to, because she was one of nine, one of them used to pay in and then open the fire doors and the other eight.
0: So already you can kind of, like, come out here and you can imagine the past and yeah. the present iteration of a place. Like, especially a cinema where, like, a lot of memories would be, right? Yeah. And now, as you say, it's it's flats, housing, yeah. that bit. This is it. And, yeah, I suppose, I suppose every neighbourhood, again, like places go through regeneration don't they and things go in and out of trends and I guess the sort of cinema industry and the pub like pubs as well are struggling and they've been replaced kind of en masse but it's it's cool as like someone who doesn't live here and hasn't spent much time here like to imagine a bit more of a thriving area here where people are coming in and out of a cinema door or in and out of a pub door and a bit more of an environment there now but like I guess with it like would you say it's its whole energy has been a bit transformed then since that took place actually. oh
1: massively like if you walk a little bit further out so what you can see on the left is a it used to be a school called Hillside and a that school. yeah and that's now a business centre so it's got different serviced offices in but on the building on the outside it still has a boys and a girls entrance okay. so that's how sort of old the school is and just on that side it used to be Shaftesbury House it's now called the Greenhouse. so it's eco flats mm. Shaftesbury House was sort of a mental home so right, right. a lot of my um, family worked there as nurses um, and there were, um, I don't know what the equivalent is now, there's a place over at Chapel Town up somewhere, um, that's okay. sort of a similar place but there's talks about it being haunted but then when you're a kid there's loads of places that were haunted that you never believe stories about so but now it's the opposite, it's eco flats so it's for sort of more privileged people who can afford to pay their prices right. for to live in flats So.
0: I, th- I suppose all over this city, really, like, is a story of uh, regeneration and transformation constantly, and uh, different communities moving around and different communities settling in. And it's interesting. It must have been really fascinating, kind of living here for such a long time. Actually, seeing it with your own eyes and being able to comment on it. Yeah. If you were.
1: Definitely. I mean, I I was in Jewsbury. I was asked to host tonight in Jewsbury, and I brought what I used to do is if I travelled to a different area I'd try and write a piece either about that place or spend a few hours there and write something huh. and when I was in Dewsbury it was about how people only ever talk about how good Dewsbury used to be and how now it's just full of charity shops and things like that and then a couple of years later I'm saying the same about yeah, where, where I live So I guess like to that point I mean
0: just looking at this the corner of this house here like where the sort of the paint or the rendering work has kind of peeled away, showing the bricks underneath, which look pretty decent condition. But that that kind of is a almost like a metaphor for what you've said: the transformation. Yeah. There's a there's an outside there, but then there's a, a hidden inside. There's three different textures been
1: on that wall as well. That looked to me. I've never stopped to look at that before.
0: Yeah, and kind of patterns showing within the bits that have peeled off as well. I guess you could probably like just like you could look at look up at the clouds you could try and spot shapes and things in there I suppose but no it's just interesting I mean, even if you look that. at what
1: we've just said about the Malvern so the brickwork would be the cinema the rendering would be the, uh, the pub and then the new outside yeah. phase of it would be what's left of
0: different layers depending on yeah. which generation yeah. has kind of transcom- transformed the place yeah just started to chuck it down a bit now
1: no. Um, are you all right to keep going yeah yeah we've not got far to go now Stormzy actually came and had a picture took where we're going
0: no way yeah so okay uh, well
1: I'm sure you'll be, you'll be as cool as Stormzy when we get to where we're going It'll I, be hope worth so. it. I hope
0: so I thought I was already but yeah <laughs> sounds, sounds good <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me I mean like Even like this view if you well, actually you get a really good view of the city here I mean, yeah. in some of the places we've been on previous episodes, actually, we've seen the city from different angles, and this is a new one again. And you can see, certainly, yeah, the, the highest buildings. Yeah, probably see a good 20 miles, actually, across the city from here. That's pretty pretty. It's really cool, isn't it? Even on a pretty poor day like today, you know, it's not the best, is it? But, like, do you think, like, do you find that it might not be something you think about all of the writers might not think about it but do you find that you're affected by the elements when you're writing i mean if you're sort of like cold and wet like we're getting now do you kind of like get creative in a certain way or do you
1: kind of have a certain mood that comes over you i think so i think i think you're more likely to write about like the mood that you're in so if if you're feeling a bit down you're more likely to write something that reflects that um uh But I don't know if I'm the sort of person that could go on like a a retreat, you know, go away to the woods and... Because I can't make myself right. Okay, okay, yeah. So if we was out now and we received abuse from somebody because we're walking around with a microphone, that would probably inspire a piece from me about the way we treat people and the way we judge people. So Um,
0: you sense... You're kind of inspired by real people and real emotions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's more either situations that have happened or sort of predicting, like I've wrote a knife crime piece that isn't a real situation. It's from hearing different people's stories and then putting together sort of like a a poem about advice for young people about the choices they make. So it wasn't a real situation, but it's to stop that real situation potentially happening.
0: But Yeah, but it was kind of true, really, in that way. Yeah, Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so... Okay, interesting. So you kind of play with reality a bit a bit there, sort of fiction that speaks a truth kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. That's say. that's
1: definitely how I'd describe it, yeah. Um, so we've got, these are some of the oldest houses in Beeston. There's a poem that was wrote about a house in Beeston. I was going to say. A very, very old famous pretty one. pretty On the other side of this graveyard here. I like the the top of that one on the corner. It does look a bit like a princess tower, doesn't
0: it? It does. Yeah, it's like a sort of Rapunzel, yeah. sort of modern Rapunzel. I wonder what
1: the idea of the gate on top is. So Sounds yeah, sad. there's a, a gate on top
0: of uh, a kind of spire on top of a, a house on the corner here. Yeah, it does just look like they've used a the gate uh, as a it's bit just decorative. It's just is it? Yeah, definitely. Just decorative. Oh, you could spend. The whole day just commenting on buildings. Really, there's so many stories in buildings yeah. across the city. I mean, Leeds is known for like sort of red brick, I guess, yeah like a lot of West Yorkshire's stone, isn't it? Grey stone, but like Leeds is very red brick, and I think people like that. So, is this
1: uh, we're just passing the park here? It's yeah, Beaston park. Beeston uh, park. There's again, it's like if you ask people about Beaston, there'll be horror stories and there'll be some positive stuff. So, we have had. A lot of bad things happen in the park, but then we put on community sessions. There's um, running groups that put together uh, groups of people to go running in the park. Cool. We have youth sessions. We have and Festival, which is all volunteer run. We do that every year.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: This, the community spirit in areas like this is amazing. Um, you, don't, you don't understand what goes on sort of behind the scenes in these sort of areas. And I think we're lucky in that way because the more affluent areas, don't have a need for the community to come together to sort of react to certain things or true to yeah. campaign for certain things um,
0: that's true i think as we we kind of saw in chapel town where we were for the previous episode i mean it was clear that community meant a lot there as well Yeah. but i think like it's not always like a positive thing i mean it is a positive thing a community coming together but sometimes the reason why it has to come together is for not a positive reason because it's kind uh, of riling yeah. against something or it needs more support. I mean it is inspiring when people do kind of join forces and they campaign for things to be better certainly like in terms of kind of what, whether it's cleaning up the area, whether it's more education whether it's
1: more funding generally yeah. I mean massively but I don't, I don't know if I'd like to live somewhere that didn't need anything that didn't have a community spirit, that didn't I think I'd prefer to be somewhere like this, where you've got people that sort of fight behind the scenes Uh to get more. I think you appreciate more when you've had to fight for it.
0: I guess we're just walking past the graveyard cemetery here, and it's just kind of got me thinking about how long some of these people would have been buried here for, and in that time, what's changed above ground. And it'd be interesting to kind of... Just got me thinking visually rather than like literally I about mean, like how that might be expressed in in video maybe or a picture like you could quite easily tell a story of the area by the kind of what's changed in someone's kind of lifetime
1: definitely i mean it would be good to do I, I, there's a video of somebody driving around in the 80s with a big old video camera inside the front of like a ford escort or something huh. um, and it would be good to do that same run today and try and split screen yes. just to see the difference. Like one of my uncles who moved away when, it was, when he was, well, I say when he was young, probably like 20 years ago, he came back and he, he couldn't believe how different sort of the area is. Even, so Dewsbury Road, the other side of Beeston Park, it used to be, like my mum would go there and do a full shopping. Yeah. But now the shops have changed that much that she has to get in a car instead of walking and drive to three or four different shops. To be able to do a full week's worth of shopping right so in that sense it's changed massively as well
0: i guess it sort of maybe shapes you a bit as a person like well living anywhere in the city you've got to kind of be open to change because cities are places that are kind of in transition all the time right and yeah i think like places rural are like yeah it's a sort of different way of life it's a bit more sort of yeah conservative i suppose yeah. but like i i, I wonder whether that's shaped your creative work somehow, I mean you kind of, do you throw yourself into different types of creative work because of that, do you think? Yeah
1: I guess so, I mean I was just thinking, so one of my pieces is called Then and Now and it's about how poetry has changed my life, so I think quite a lot of my stuff does work around reflection Uh around uh how things have changed, how people have changed um, how perceptions have changed Um, and the one about growing up in Beeston is more about What it was like for us rather than the difference today. Uh So maybe that's something that needs to be that needs to be written. Nostalgia is a powerful sense to explore
0: in writing. If you're not inspired by the here and now, you can often reflect on a time that's passed, a place where you no longer are, to stir a memory of something that inspires a story. Nostalgia is a device that Phil uses in his poetry, and every shop and every street we walked past, he'd have a story about it. And as we carried on talking, big raindrops started racing each other down my glasses. It's properly raining now, isn't it? It is, I think. If there's some kind of sheltered area where we can be inspired from that, that would be spot on right now. But as you say, like I, th- I knew a guy, right? I, well, I met a guy who, at this... Um, it was a meeting about a festival, and he was an artist, and. He never owned a jacket like he's never owned a jacket <laughs> right, um, and the reason why is because he likes to feel the elements like all the time, like he always gets soaking and he always gets freezing and oh wow, you know like every season he's never worn a jacket, he's just in like a jumper, basically, and sometimes he's hot, you know sometimes it's <laughs> it's inappropriate because for the other reason, yeah, but like um he he thinks that that's inspiring, you know that that's and I think there's something in that you know you wouldn't. Sometimes feel a certain way and approach something with a certain mood or tone, unless you were kind of soaking wet versus like scorching hot. I mean, you might not necessarily feel like writing, a, yeah, something vaguely angry. Maybe if it was perfect day and you were yeah. just sat on a beach, you know, you wouldn't feel like riling against something, would you? Like if you're kind of getting rained on. Then that suits a bit more of an angry bit of poem a bit, doesn't it? Because it makes you feel like you you're suffering a
1: bit and Yeah, definitely. I mean mean? you can you can go back to a time when you was angry and you can try to do it that way, but being in that moment, it's why they say you should never send an angry email because it's too realistic. And it's not how you should. Like if you were less angry. But I think with poetry, that's exactly when you should write.
0: We've just passed yeah, a bit a bit of writing on the wall here. I'm trying to. I think it's maybe in different language. Is it? Is this Polish? I think that's a Polish place.
1: Yeah, maybe. We know MD and AD were here in two thousand and fifteen with a big love heart.
0: AD and MD love heart. Yeah, I wonder if they've been back here since
1: since that was written on the wall. That's. Have you ever wrote that anywhere and then revisited? That you uh, were somewhere or initials I, in a tree.
0: I've, I've done it yeah I've done that like uh, you know in sort of teenage relationships I think you know yeah sort of on a park bench or on a tree or something yeah. like I've never sort of gone back to it though I wonder if like they've somehow stumbled upon that and it's a bit of a cliche but I can imagine if AD or MD just happened to be walking past and it, it was a relationship from like you know five years ago and wasn't any longer
1: and what yeah. they might sort of think and what they might reflect on. So I mean th- you could you you could write something on what who they were and you know Absolutely, you, you yeah. can make up your own maybe one of them died, maybe you know they've both gone on to have their own marriages. That's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Yeah well, this is um again a a good viewpoint we're here. We're looking over Ellen Road on our left and then sort of to the across the city to the east there and there's some yeah there's actually I guess if if you were yeah an inspired like footballer you could probably practice on the pitch here just in front of the stadium and then dream of playing there just a few hundred yards away like this is probably quite an inspiring place to play actually because you'd be sort of Maybe, like, if you closed your eyes, you could half imagine being a couple of hundred yards away and playing on the pitch of yeah. Ellen Road surrounded were to come by and fans. you could
1: play here while Leeds were playing and you heard the crowd cheering yeah. and you could pretend. So, is this where Stormzy was then? Yeah, so he was at the end of, uh, end of ah. this street. Um, someone's
0: etched something into the path there as well, just, just going on from AD and MD and the love heart. There's, someone's drawn something yeah. in the cement. Gervais?
1: Gervais. Yeah, J-A-V-A-I-S-E So there's like As (laughs) Bun There's a lot of
0: sort of people stamping identity around here interested you know like someone must have got that when it was wet when the cement or tarmac was drying uh, and got in there and wrote the name yeah
1: But this this sort of bounced between um, an underprivileged area um, and then I think some of these houses are quite expensive now I don't know if Stormzy had anything to do with that. Um, wow. What, what was he doing here then? Just literally a photo. Oh, I don't know if he came all the way. Fr- I'm sure there's streets in London where they look either similar to this or I don't know what sort of image yeah. he was going for. But when someone said he had a picture here, I assumed it would be at the end where we just were huh. with, the, um, with the view in the background. Um, you,
0: you know what um, looks really cosy right now when you are outside getting soaking wet is like... A sort of glow of a living room lamp yes. inside the house you're just walking past and you are just sort of imagining them sat there on a nice comfy soft chair
1: fire going and just the
0: the contrasts of like those elements i mean yeah making the best of actually just being absolutely rained on you know <laughs> but like you know you might not appreciate like being inside under a, a nice cozy lamp if you were outside but like that feeling of getting in after you've just been soaking, which I'm looking forward to in the not too distant future actually.
1: This is proper rain as well isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's like it's it's the rain where you know, there weren't any puddles on the streets when we set off and now it's like the puddles are taking over and it's bouncing off off the floor, but then again there's kind of a bit of My promise on the horizon. not even working enough
1: to be able to show you the picture of Stormzy Owl. I'll well, it to you I'll take your words literally. For it. Stood a few yards down, and I the can see just why. stood cuddling his missus can, with that in the background. I
0: can see why it's like, yeah, you get you get a really good view from here, and you can even like taking in, like the terraces, which are very like northern, really yeah. like terraces, especially like red brick, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can see see the distance. I wonder, like, if you were like looking off into the distant skyline, like what you might think. Like, do you look up, over to the city skyline with kind of aspirational thoughts or do you look there and just see it as like oh, that's where I do my shopping or like what does that represent for someone like who's lived in Beeston when you're looking off into the cityscape in the
1: distance? For me I've always said we we don't appreciate Leeds enough because we've lived here. There's people that come from all over the country to visit Leeds whether it's for shopping or nightlife and we take it for granted and it was only when um, a German... Um, a student came over and she was staying at the hotel I worked at and she'd come back and she'd show me a phone she'd be like, look where I've been today and yeah. she'd be showing me these museums and she had like a tour of Leeds through Skyline so she'd be on the roofs of all different buildings in Leeds and I felt really ignorant because I didn't know about any of it um, and it made me appreciate yeah, where man. we live more and how lucky we are to be here um, for sure and i for think sure. i think if you if you if like we we run workshops where we give them a tiny little bit of inspiration about whether it's a photograph or you know a, a description of a person and then we say can you write a poem based on this person's life yeah um, and i think Leeds has loads to offer in the sense that you can either look at a skyline shopping but uh, oh
0: bad timing that yeah, someone's clothing, out on the line. clothing just getting rained on so the best intentions yeah you know don't always amount <laughs> to the best
1: outcome yeah but yeah we've got we've got skylines we've got history we've got some real characters we've got brilliant people um, situations events i think you could be anywhere in leeds or even anywhere in beeston and look around and there'd be something that you'd think i could write something yeah. about that I think, you know,
0: maybe it needs to talk itself up a bit more because a few more of the other cities on the map kind of do talk themselves up a bit, you know, it's a bit more pride maybe. We're, a bit,
1: we're a bit humble, aren't we? And yeah, This yeah. is something I've been talking to people about cause I've been doing um, my podcasts with some amazing people who are just sort of, yeah, and, you know, I just, I just do this. And I'm just like, no, you should be shouting about what you do, but we don't like to brag. We sort of take a step back when we feel like we are being a bit braggy. And sometimes we even apologise we're like, I don't mean to, for this to sound like I'm bragging, but I've done this thing and it's amazing. It's like, why are you apologising if you've done something amazing? So,
0: Was the podcast something that you
1: decided to do as a result of lockdown? It was, yeah. So, like I say, a lot of my spoken word stuff is about giving messages, whether it's um, awareness of cancer, addiction, Uh, knife crime, there's all sorts of stuff that we write about to to deliver a message. So when lockdown happened and we couldn't deliver those messages anymore, we had to look at how can we do this creatively. So we started a podcast so that we can send videos to people who need to see them, um, people who need to hear the messages within them, and then we're going to start recording Some very specific conversations that we can then give to schools to use as sort of working tools. So that's the plan. Brilliant, brilliant.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of why we started this one as well. I think there's a lot of people doing podcasts at the minute, and I think it's not just about a new innovative digital platform for me. It's about like sometimes capturing conversations, you know, that like, you know, I always feel like a bit sad sometimes when you've had a really nice. Chat with someone because you, you'll never have that conversation yeah. again. That same conversation again that gave you a bit of joy, a bit of engagement, connection. Yeah. So it's another way of just actually just capturing our talk. You know how we communicate, and yeah. I think there's
1: some some beauty in that for me. You know, I on, guess you, that you as well, as well, don't you? Yeah. Similar to what you've just said, I I feel like sometimes I have conversations with people, and it's such a waste that only I get to hear what they're saying. Like some of the yeah. moments of sort of like inspiration and you think, I wish everyone could hear what you're saying right now. So a podcast is a perfect way to sort of showcase uh, the sort of conversations that people have. Because uh, yeah, I, I know some amazing people.
0: How would you describe yourself these days if someone asked you what you did creatively? How would you... I mean, I've summed you up as a poet, but I think that that's like underplaying it considering everything you do now.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, people usually ask what my job is <laughs> and I'm sort of <laughs> um, sort of like a youth worker but not a youth worker and then, so I do, I do spoken word, I've got um, certain parts of my job which means I get paid to do either poetry or workshops, whether that's in prisons or youth clubs, um, but then I've got my podcasts, which is part of my job now so I'll be getting paid to do the podcasts. Um, yeah, we've been doing photography and videography, um, or cinematography, whatever you want to call it. So I'm inviting poets to come and record spoken word, create videos, YouTube channels, um, sort of Great. really get people up and running. Yeah, good. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's a real sort of variety of what we do. There's, I do a lot for the community, so we, we're constantly campaigning for better things um, and for things that we don't agree with to not be part of this community. One of the
0: writing misnomers I used to believe when I was younger was the thought that in order to call yourself a writer you had to be a full-time novelist or poet or playwright who earned a living purely from the money they made from putting pen to paper. The books they'd sell, the songs they'd write, whatever. But to this day I've never actually met a writer who lives that reality. Some of the world's most well-known authors have day jobs And I think that given the choice, I would too. You need to have have that foot. You need to have that foot in the real world to actually have stories to tell. If you were sat at a writing desk in your ivory tower, what would you really have to write about? Who would your words resonate with? In short, as a writer, it's important to keep it real. And when it comes to writing your own pieces, like what is your creative process like? I think we touched on this a bit before but like do you actually come outdoors and, and try and write in the park if it's a nice day or do you have to be in a particular place indoors like what's your creative process when you're actually
1: putting pen to paper um, I'm, I'm rubbish for this question because I, I don't have a process in the sense that I'll think I'll book a day off work and I'll sit with a pad and a pen um, usually something will pop into my head and I have to write it there and then um, there's been some times where I've been on the bike on the motorbike and something will pop into my head and it'll maybe be the first two lines of a piece and I'll think ooh right I'm just going to keep saying it over and over again so I remember it and then when I get to wherever I am and stopped it's gone so yeah, that's, it's that's real, the nature of it isn't yeah, it yeah it's really disappointing um, oh we'll be alright because then oh no it's nice please I thought it was going to be yours um, <laughs> oh, yeah. so yeah so with the first thing I ever wrote was about cancer and um it literally, I was I was sat on my sofa at home, and I was watching Crystal Maze stand up to cancer. So this was in um, 2017, I think. So before oh 2016, because I've only been do, but before years in October this year. Um, and I got my phone out and I started writing this piece, oh, yeah. and then I finished it, and then went and performed it. And I don't I don't edit, I don't, uh, which some people find really strange. Um, so you, so, one th- so you must write pretty quickly really then from yeah I, I've i had this thing of I don't like to spend more than sort of 20 minutes writing something because I'll be too attached to it and if someone says it's rubbish I'll be annoyed is probably yeah. the nicest way to put it I'm just uh, walking past a couple of phone boxes
0: here you know like I don't know if anyone uses them anymore but they all seem to still be around but yeah just just trying you know this this kind of thing like you talk about communication and how many people might have used it, and actually you've got like people scratching the names down here as well, yeah. Mamps forever. Well,
1: so it might still be in use.
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's how still many, flashing. How up.
1: many phone numbers do you know?
0: Oh now, I just know probably like I guess my immediate my grand's landline has never changed. Yeah know that and then my own number. Um, but that's a that's a good point and actually it gets you thinking <laughs> if about if
1: your phone died and you came here with 50 pence to ring somebody to help you
0: yeah that's a good it's a good sport isn't it yeah
1: I've got my dad's I know my dad's mobile number that's in my head and my number and that that's it that's but literally I've thought
0: it. That it, the thought does cross my mind when I'm on 1% and I'm somewhere random which does happen quite a bit <laughs> might even happen today like uh, and then i just kind of think well if you've got your wallet on you you'd probably always be all right yeah then you could just like you know you could get a taxi somewhere or you could find you could find where you needed to be but no i I always look at phone boxes i remember when they were kind of in use in public like as a kid like yeah you know i'm sure here people used to stop off maybe on the way to the shops or maybe on the way to work or maybe just at any time of day maybe on a weekend and actually you sort of be waiting by the phone for the next person to finish and you know it's kind of sad you, you do look at them i think the branding's even the same now yeah and some of the ones in town are now like information points or whatever yeah. i think they've got like internet and stuff but the, the 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 kind of years that must have passed while this digital display is still flashing up here with adverts for bt pay phones is kind of crazy to better. think I don't know, there's, there's always something that intrigues me about them somehow and like...
1: It's sort of a visual representation of technology, isn't it? The birth of technology, yeah, you know it, they're not getting rid of them, they're still here but does anyone actually still really use them? I've just remembered a, a sad story actually,
0: yeah, a kid at my school who, like, it, you know like when you're at secondary school and there's like a new kid joins in like year nine or something random and you're like, at the time you just think it's a new kid but now you realise that no one joins in your nine unless there's been some kind of big family move or some yeah. kind of upheaval or some kind. And he gave his landline number out to people, you know like like I can't remember why. Like if, if people will exchange numbers at school for a chat or to meet up to play footy or whatever, and he gave the number of his local payphone an out. And like it used and I remember some I didn't ring it, but a mate of mine did, and he was always like out of breath when he came to answer it. Yeah, I just remember. Oh,
1: that. Oh wow! Like, so he must I, have lived close by, and then hears the phone ringing and runs out to try and get it before it yeah, cuts off. Like the
0: pride of of having a phone number, like which he yeah. didn't have. Obviously, he didn't have a phone. That's why he was giving out his local payphone number instead. That's mental.
1: This this is a big thing for me. Things that we take for granted, um, and it, it came about because I was. So I've, I've got a studio now and the internet there is brilliant. Um, so I've got um, my Xbox there because I play Xbox with my uh, nephew and then my friend in Australia. So he's in Australia, the other side of the world, completely different time zone. And he turns on his Xbox and me and him could join the same game but then sometimes there'll be a slight little glitch that happens and I'm just like, oh, it's done it again and I go mad and I just think, let's just <coughs> slow down and think about what we're able to do for that glitch to happen and how much of a privilege it is that we've got an opportunity to be able to do that. And then you think about other people who have real struggles mm. and the things that make them cross. but. You think about a family that's struggling, that doesn't have much, they're not cross about it and I'm getting cross about a glitch in a computer and it's really humbling to have those sort of moments of clarity where you just think, you, you just need to appreciate the ability to not yeah, just make gosh. phone calls but to yeah. actually, because something we used to do as kids, um, we used to play computer games. We actually played TIGs when we were little, which most... Tig. Yeah, which most young people will have yeah, played. Yeah, 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 of course. But we start... I, I got a job working as a security officer um, at the Leeds bus station, <coughs> and I got two of my friends' that jobs be there. That an interesting job. <coughs> and they... Um, we continued that game of TIGs as adults whilst <laughs> at work as security guards. And one of um, them... So one of the lads got married, and me and the other were best men so we were playing tigs on his wedding day and whenever the three of us are together the longest game ever well yeah whenever the three of us are together the game continues and then I don't know if you've seen it but there's a film that's come out based on a true story about a group of friends that have been playing tigs since they were little and I was like that could have been us I read something in the paper actually <laughs> about about it was like a 60 year old
0: Game of TIG, like, yeah, you would be going on for like six decades or something, man. Yeah. It sounds just <laughs> like that. It's like, a, I guess it's entertainment, isn't yeah. it? And, like, you know, you have a glitch in, a, in an Xbox Live or whatever, you know, it, but people might get just the same satisfaction when playing, like, chess out <laughs> in public yeah. and say, like, a big gust of wind comes and blows but all the yes. pieces away. Right? That's like their glitch,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Like, and it'd fill them with the same frustrations, like, yeah. I, no, just, no. I, think, I think when it comes to stuff like that, there's, like to say, there's inspiration in everything. You know, there's, there's a piece to be written about the, um, the way that, that we take things for granted because it's been part of our everyday life. Um, I was just talking to somebody about our generation being the best generation because we were introduced to computers, but <laughs> it didn't take over our lives. So we still had the play outside and the yeah. introduction to computers. The um, yeah, yeah, so before, our, before us, that generation doesn't really understand technology as much now. I'm not sort of generalising, but um, like I feel I have to explain a lot of stuff on computers to my parents or my aunties and uncles. Uh-huh. And the new uh-huh. generations after us um, are more computer-based, technology-based than they are sort of physical activities. And I guess you've kind of got your finger
0: on the pulse with working with young creative people as well are you spotting like any major differences in how they actually create work and you know beyond the kind of what they take for granted and things
1: yeah i think i think the thing is is making it sound interesting so if we talk about doing spoken word or spray painting spray painting is usually easy because it's it's deemed as sort of naughty and illegal and it's a bit it's a bit of a rebellious form of art But anything else, until until you, if you can get them interested, you can hook them with, with good work, but it's getting them to the initial, oh, I don't really want to do that. So we actually bought a load of iPads and we, we set young people TikTok challenges. and nice. So creating their own videos and stuff. So it's, it's just different ways of making them be creative, really. Um, I like it. But they just see pen and paper as being... Like an ancient form of communication. That's yeah. It's inter- interesting that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it
0: kind of is, isn't it? But like, it it's different. Like I always find it different writing on a word doc where it's so easy to just delete it all and start again. Yeah. Or like, you know, shuffle paragraphs around or whatever. Whereas if you if you've got a pen and paper in your hand, you kind of once you start, you kind of forced to. It's you honest. can't just erase it all. Yeah, it's, it's gotta, an honest way of writing. You've isn't got it? to continue with it and work out what you've started writing, and, and it's different. It really is a different yeah. process. And I think yeah, we're just kind of getting back to where we started, just as the weather's. Uh, I know, Yeah. Stuffing, <laughs> but that's kind of symbolic in a way, isn't it? It's like that that 45 minutes or whatever that we were just out for then was the the kind of probably the worst weather of the day. And like uh, you know, it's always kind of what you make of it, isn't it? And it's like sometimes you might think of that as just really unlucky, or sometimes it's like we might not have really spoken about some of the things that we spoke about or noticed what we noticed
1: without that rain lashing down. Particularly, this is um, my—it's my Amazon delivery. I had to order a mouse because I brought my computer yesterday. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Lovely. And thinking about it. I could have just been anybody walking past because he's just handed me that outside of my garden without me even going I in. Might I might just come down here sometime <laughs> and wait <laughs> and just give,
0: give someone a point, that, a knowing point. <laughs> At the end of our creative search for inspiration, taking in the streets, people and community of Beeston, Phil and I got back to exploring the why factor of writing. The one thing that gets us out of bed on a morning and keeps us going all day every day to power our writing
1: hopes dreams and searches for truth going back to sort of inspiration about um writing i'm i'm inspired by either struggle or success um and if i if i wanted to sit and write something about my garden i i could do that um i just think for me, um, activist isn't the right word, but I want I want the this, this stuff I write because I don't write much. I've not wrote for probably oh, between six months and a year. I don't really get time anymore. Um, but I'd like to think that when I perform something, it either makes somebody think about a certain topic whether it's addiction um or people who are addicts not really about addiction but people don't view me as an addict so they don't see that and when I talk about it, it's like oh, I didn't realize that was your past um so you
0: come at it from the concept of struggle or addiction you, you approach a piece of creative work knowing that's going to be yeah. the subject of it yeah usually. so
1: what why, why am I writing this who is this for um what am I trying to achieve by people hearing this uh-huh. um and usually it's sort of, either to raise awareness or... um, Like there's been a couple that I've wrote where I've only performed them a couple of times because they were just about something or they were for a specific event. Um, But yeah, the the sort of longer lasting ones have been social issues or Mm -hmm. something like that. And I think you can find inspiration in anything. Like the one I wrote about cancer, it wasn't like, oh no, cancer's horrible. It personified cancer, so it's me shouting at cancer and telling it why I hate it so much and how it's affected my family. Yeah, <coughs> and yeah. that gives people an opportunity to come and talk to me about what they're going through. So I've never performed that poem without somebody coming up to me and saying, I've just lost this person to cancer. And it really made me feel, and it gives them an opportunity to talk to a stranger oh. about something they would never, you would never stop someone in the street yeah, and yeah. say, hey, my mum's just died of cancer.
0: So, so you know what you're gonna write about usually, it's not like you usually walk around and, and think up, uh, think uh, and try and just keep your mind open and. And be inspired by something that might just take you by surprise and trigger a certain thought, you
1: know what you're writing about. It's quite a planned approach then. Yeah, usually. So if like the 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 one about knife crime was never meant to be about knife crime. It was just about choices and consequences. And when I started writing, I just it wrote itself as a knife crime piece. Um, I've never studied poetry. I've not got any sort of no. degree in english you know i'm not i'm not a a, a creative person in the sense of i am educated in creative writing or anything like that i've just got a particular way that i write and it's usually without thinking it just happens like i say i don't edit usually what i'll do is i'll write something read it out a few times and i'll think oh they might need an okay. extra word in there so instead of saying there i'll say they are or you know just to add an extra syllable or remove a syllable but other than that because I think if I've wrote it, I've wrote it for a reason. So why should I take bits out? But yeah. some people say that editing is the the real sort of heart of writing. So you put it all out and then you edit it into the piece. Whereas I I'm write surprised. it into a piece. No, no,
0: your pieces, from what I've heard, come across as as edited as <coughs> I assumed they probably were edited. But yeah, I guess that, I guess it must be just more intense the actual creative point must be more intense because when i'm writing it's like just a bit of a train of thought it's just a bit of a start you know and mm-hmm. i that is true of my work i definitely the the heart of it would be in the editing for right. sure and the, it would take way longer maybe 10 times as long as the writing of it did because okay. i think the, the writing is just about getting it out onto the page for me getting getting the thoughts out like the snapshot that you are thinking about that story that character that song that poem whatever it is and then the editing is really, like, making it something that people might understand that might actually be worth reading or listening to, like... Uh, okay. There's no, so, there's no so right or wrong write, there, is there?
1: Do you do, like, um, a list of either associative words or phrases and then turn that into something? So do you, like, whiteboard it, where you just put everything down to do with that topic?
0: Well, that's what I, I sometimes do. When I'm going for, like, a poem with a rhyme, I actually do look at, like, what rhymes are possible. And then I just kind of try and work towards those at the <coughs> end of the line, you know, Right. Like that's okay. how I try and rhyme. But like, that's not, I, I mean, I've done all sorts of writing. The spoken word actually probably the most recent I, I call them projects, really. I've done like scripts and yeah. I've done page poetry, short stories, tried novels, plays and spoken word was like, that's taken over my creative energy for the past two three years since I've been in Leeds, really. But like now it's probably going to move on to something else and <coughs> I think I have a different approach to each one but if I was doing a novel then I'd probably do that whiteboarding or whatever the the sort of fleshing out of a character that takes time and it takes planning and you need to kind of craft it don't you but I think I think the pure bit of writing and any creative thing is is the spark that that idea that light bulb moment right That, that that's what we're after that's what we're all after isn't it you know and you need to sort of be able to capture that in some way and then transform it into something that's that's celebrated
1: and understood, yeah. you know. So I, because of the way my head works, I, I went through like 10 years of addiction and my head works at 100 mile an hour. Yeah. So when I'm on stage, I don't think about what I'm saying. So I, the first time I tried to do, perform without my words was in Halifax at Jen's night. And I knew the poem, I'd been doing it for months. And I got up and my head was sort of saying, look over there, don't forget this, du da, da, da And I had this internal monologue of what I should be doing, and it made me forget my words. So I nearly quit after six months because I couldn't get over that. I couldn't focus on my words while I was performing. As soon as there was an audience, I had this internal monologue of what I should be doing, and it distracted yeah. me. So I've started listening to sort of 90s, 2000s rap music. So like Eminem, Dr. J, things I knew the words to and while that was on in my ears i would recite poetry and that was my distraction so now when i'm on stage if you see me perform now i literally say the first line and then my mouth takes over and my head continues to do all that stuff but i know that my mouth's going to do what it needs to do
0: amazing sometimes
1: it goes wrong like I, i was doing one on zoom and someone put a comment and i just stopped and read the comment and I was like, oh no, I'm meant to be performing. <laughs> and I had to explain to the other people in the chat what had happened and said, please just don't, don't write any comments because I'll, I'll, I will stop. And um, so But yeah, I just, I just don't think about it You conditioned
0: yourself like that approach. Well, yeah, I mean, no, that, that is that's good. I guess it, it also probably... Did you say that you do that when you're writing as well? You sometimes kind of... Or is it just yeah. a rehearsal? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. It yeah. So you must have a natural rehearse, rhythm it's to it sort as of,
1: well. It's just and this is why I feel quite relaxed. Like we, we performed at the West Yorkshire Playhouse. And um, before that, there was people there that I really look up to as artists and still do. This isn't me saying I don't anymore. But mm. some of them seemed quite anxious or they were rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing before they went on. And I was just really sort of chilled out. And then I started to worry myself thinking, should I be, should I be more re- worried than I am? But in my head, I've just accepted that. I've learned it as much as I can. No matter how much I rehearse it now, it's not going to make a difference. I'm either going to know the words or I'm not. And I've accepted that and that's how I perform I don't, I don't
0: think you'd feel relaxed if you weren't prepared, you know what I mean? If yeah. You'd, you'd know when you weren't prepared, and, and I don't think you'd be relaxed if, if you weren't prepared. Yeah. Because you, you yeah. must be just naturally prepared for some of the poems that yeah. that you perform, but...
1: But this is, I've had to be, so I've had to put it into my head that much that I don't have to think about it. And that's, that's literally it. They call this thing a dead cat. Okay, um, nice.
0: Yeah, and it does actually look of it like, like or now. now That's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> But no, there's actually something that happened earlier, like we don't have to really go on no, much do you John
1: the Broom before you go. Sure, if I've you're got another one of them you can have as well. Oh I don't know. It's,
0: But um when we when we were at the traffic lights earlier and like it felt it felt quite symbolic and significant that like you know like when you've been living somewhere so long like I've never lived anywhere as long as you've lived here but yeah you know exactly when the light's changing right yeah and like you know the lights before like any tourists they're there all waiting for the green man and yeah. all this <laughs> and you, you're you know when you can walk on a bit of, on a red light you know yeah you're watching the traffic <laughs> but I think you hadn't realized I think I think it took you by surprise and that it felt like <laughs> Well, maybe you do always have to keep yourself on your toes
1: and you maybe don't don't know quite everywhere, 100%. Usually when I'm sat at a red light and the green man goes and I'm coming down the hill where we walked, that usually goes green. (laughs) Oi, get on there. Come here. Yeah, usually when you're coming down past the cemetery and you get to the lights, if they're on red and the green man's on, they're the ones that go green first. Uh, So when the green man went and we just missed it I thought well even if someone's come around we've got more than enough time to cross the road but the other ones went green I see. which, so which is the wrong show, way around
0: that, that's something that shows like how well you know a place I think but it, no one could know a place like this better than you but there'd always still be that 1% that you don't know and that's it for another edition of Look Closer the found fiction podcast Thank you very much to my special guest, Phil Pearce, who took us on a creative journey around Beeston. Before we say goodbye, we've got a few pieces of found fiction news to tell you about. Street Stories is now live. This is our street literature project taking place in Quarry Hill in Leeds. We've worked with four Leeds-based writers to create super short stories about Quarry Hill residents' past, present and future. The stories are displayed in public spaces on vinyl stickers, foam boards on easels, and on A4 printouts marked "read me." Street Stories is supported by Leeds City College Arts Fund, and if you want to find out more, visit bit.ly slash quarryhill. It's Proper Art is also about to happen in London, This is another street literature project of ours. We've been working with writers from London to create art gallery descriptions of real places in the capital as part of Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. And this one will be live from October 1st, and we're super excited about that. Finally, we were really proud to stage the Isolation to Innovation Masterclass series in early August. And this event saw us come together with creative practitioners in Kenya, France, and Romania to lead a series of sessions which aim to inspire artists who've really struggled economically, psychologically during these periods of lockdown we've experienced across the world. And a big shout out here to Old Bank Noma in Manchester and Nairobi-based Creatives Garage for helping us make this event happen. That's all we've got time for this time. Until next time, make sure you stay positive, connected and kind. Thanks for listening to Look Closer, the Found Fiction Podcast.